Welcome back, everyone. Gets a trophy. Kevin Dunn, Paul Wadlington. Always nice to have Paul in-house and always nice to talk about a Texas win or at least a new year after they finished off a decade, which was crap, and looked pretty damn good, man. They finished off 2019 like they started it, kind of surprising all of us. Yep. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. We are doing this podcast. Both of us are dressed as Baby New Year. We pretty much are. <laughs> By the way, I was wearing this to the New Year's parties. Like This is where I'm at <laughs> starting 2020, kind of like I just don't care. For descriptive, Kevin is wearing a ratty Flower Mound Marcus. Flower Mound Marcus. Dance team. Dance team t-shirt. My niece, easy. I, I have cringe for many legal reasons to ask you why you have that t-shirt. You do get some looks when you're shopping. Wait a minute. You're too old for... A niece, it's a niece. You do the niece thing. Relax. All right, all right. Yeah, that's that's what congressmen do when they show up to an event with <laughs> right. a, like a, a Belarusian prostitute. <laughs> like this is my niece, Chachnya. Chachnya. Say hello. It's my niece that I ordered. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Via the mail. mail. <laughs> all right. Well, we ordered. So, you, so you're in Austin, man, and you're actually not getting the Austin experience. I was driving here and thinking, you know, Paul's going to think. You know, I'm dealing with all the bullshit in San Francisco, and I got to move back here. You do realize that, like, this Mopac and this 360 is not what you get 99% of the time. Every time I'm here for the holidays, there's no traffic. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. Well, the funniest thing is when we used to play, we'd had that succession of Rose Bowls we played in, right, where we played Michigan, then we played USC. You'd go out there, and I, I went to both of those games, and all the Texas alums you talk to, would be like, man, I could live in L.A. This is amazing. Like, I don't think the traffic's that bad. And you're like, no, 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 no. no. Like, this isn't. Uh... I was on the 401. It was like 330. Yeah. Like, not bad. 405 is mean, not that bad. 405, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that bad. God, I don't see the big deal. I-5 was a, was a dream. We, we drove down to Long Beach. It was nothing. But, yeah. Oh, um... Always good to have you back, especially after last night. Because uh, if you would have told me Texas won, I can buy that. I yeah. mean, Utah's got three guys out in the secondary and All-American safety. They're probably, even with a Utah program, a little bit of we should have been here and not – or there and not here. Yep. But the fact they did it the way they did, they dominated that game. And we got on the text line. We did post game here late night, and there was a lot of very Texas fan-like. But I get it that it was, well, where has this been all year? Yeah. I mean, two seconds after, well done. I'm, I'm guilty of that. Oh, I am too. So you I watched that. I was watching the whole game fired up because, you know, I watch the games analytically, but also as a fan simultaneously. Right. Right. And so when things start to go badly, I go to pure analysis and I'm just like, what's happening here? But when things are going well or it's a, it's a close game, I'm watching as a fan. You're high fiving. I'm, I'm high fiving. I'm running around. You know, I'm obnoxious. Right. And so as we're starting to separate it gets to 31 10 i believe was that the the final Ke- was that that keontae ingram run that made it 38 31 10 31 10 and then what was the 38 10 i can't recall I've so many touchdowns once, i know they've all blended together right in any event it was 31 10 the game was in hand there was no doubt we're you know then i was Should like 31 three by the way oh that is the most bullshit soft penalty on the books you know what our buddy joe cook is defending that on twitter he's he's saying that Keandre needs to know better. That's the rule. Joe, Joe. I, know. I mean, the hair flip alone, we need to talk. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what. I, ultimately, I watched that game. I was 
delighted, obviously, as a Texas fan. It's great to see Texas just beat someone's ass, right? Yeah. And they did. But I'm guilty of the, where has this been? I mean, because there was just such basic stuff we did both on offense and defense that made the players play better. And it was, at that level, it was tough to watch. But at the same time, I, I watched most of the game, thankfully, in appreciation, just enjoying a good Texas Longhorn ass kick. Yeah, and that's kind of the way I did. I, it was the same offensive play caller, and he had more time. That's exactly so right. So let, let's remember that. Against a pretty... Very sound, but pretty basic defense. And then, as you, Ian Boyd, other people have mentioned, this actually would have set up well for a Todd Orlando defense going up against this Utah offense because they're very, uh, I want to say basic, but they, they're going to try and physically outmatch you. And they're going to do it with Zach Moss, who's an NFL guy, Huntley, who's much better. Texas fans are going to look at Brett Huntley and be like, he's not that good of a quarterback. No, he really is. Yeah. It's a down Pac-12. So Brent Huntley was the old Huntley. UCLA quarterback. Yes. Tyler Huntley was the Utah Tyler Huntley, that's right. I'm yeah, getting yeah. My, I'm, I knew it was Huntley. I'm getting my Brett and my Tylers mixed up. Yep. Um, but he's much better than he showed, and you saw that all year. Look, th- this was a good matchup for Texas, and I think these guys were kind of pissed off. This was a season's worth of frustration that came out. Good matchups all around, and, and particularly here's why. Utah wanted to out-physical most of their opponents, which in the Pac-12 they were able to do to most of those teams. Right. And if you can stand up to them physically or you overload the box ridiculously, then Huntley all year had shown the ability to throw deep and connect with sort of a bunch of no-name receivers yeah. and a very good tight end who's sort of their Jay Novacek. Yep. Well, Texas, as I've and as we've said all year, their defensive line is much better than their statistics show, right? The pure baseline talent. But because Texas doesn't do basic things fundamentally, like set the edge, spill to the linebackers, do all these very basic things, you basically are allowed to run away from Keandre Coburn. Well, when you have Joe Osai and Malcolm Roach, by the way, out there playing defensive end or occasionally 3-4 outside linebacker, they set the edge and all the linebackers had to do was run up and play run gaps. Um, and they stopped the run cold. Well, they wanted to throw over the top. Utah's receivers aren't good. And they got physically and they can't outmatched. Separate. They yeah. can't separate. Anthony Cook and Jalen Green schooled Especially them. Especially when Green came back, came back in after the ankle. But they ran a lot of what we ran here right off 360 growing up. They ran a lot of 50, but they did it with smaller, faster personnel. And they even got into a third and 16-17 they had Taquan Graham as a zero, right? Mm-hmm. So usual fifty, you got a zero, a kind of a, a big defensive tackle. Zero is heads up end, on the nose tackle, uh, on the nose tackle, and then two overhanging, bigger outside linebackers, right? Right. They were coming with the overhangs were linebackers. They were mugging with safeties and had kind of actually they had linebackers on the defensive line and safeties on the outside with safeties. You know, mugging too. Yeah, it was very much a three-two-six look, but showing pressure that we're going to come after you. And I thought, I thought Nivar did a pretty nice job. Nivar did a very good job, uh, but I think the key to him doing a very good job is just basic recognition of a scouting report. Yeah. And that's kind of what been missing all year with this defense, which is Orlando is going to kind of run his stuff come hell or high water. Also absent from this game, Utah punted on their first five possessions. They went out on downs on their first possession of the second half, which was a key, key drive because yep. they kind of went all in saying, we're going we're gonna to convert this fourth down. We're going to get the ball and go score and make this a game. Texas got the ball, went and scored, and suddenly the game's getting out of reach, right? Right. Well, if Orlando had coached this game, even if the matchups are good, 
they would have scored on their first possession. Utah. Well, the book, yeah, I mean, the I mean, history would, would show that. They would have scored on yeah. their first possession, and they probably would have scored on their second possession. And we would have busted at least three or four coverages. I only saw one busted coverage the entire night. Which one? And Utah dropped the ball. They threw a little screen yeah. action out. Yeah. And the guy had a lot of green in front of him. He got excited and dropped the ball. That would have happened five or six times with Orlando. We would have been running the stupid tight front. We wouldn't have had clear edge containment. Zach Moss probably would have had a couple of big runs. I mean, I'm not saying that Utah would have won the game, but I am saying they wouldn't have scored 10 points. They would have scored points. And that's why and at it's the end of the day. it's simplifying, was it not? It's just simplifying. If you have better athletes outside, then play them outside. If you have Caden Stearns, who is a prototype cover one safety, let him play cover one. Don't attach a little joystick to him and make him run to spots before the, the snap anticipating something. Let him watch the quarterback and break on the ball. And that's exactly what he did. He had eight tackles. He had that beautiful ta- solo tackle on Kuthi, their tight end, out in space, which was like a form tackle, which had been missing all year. Uh, and Texas was without Chris Brown and Brandon Jones. Yeah. Started Chris Adamora at safety, a true freshman. And he played out very- for a little while. Yeah, and played very well. Adam Moore played well. He had a really nice tackle and had a, re- a, a really nice coverage on, I think it was a post. He had a PBU on a, PBU, on a single right. Co- uh, post right down the middle. Yeah. That, that usually for Utah, that's a touchdown point mm-hmm. when they dial it up, and he did a great job. So you got to think that Chris Ash and then also Mike Yursich are watching this and thinking, boy, there are a lot worse situations I could come into. There's yes. some talent, and especially for Ash, there are some things – Right away that I can fix and look really smart. Hey, uh, Joe Asai, number 46. <laughs> yeah, right. He might be an edge rusher. You think? Who knew? How dominant? Yeah, well, I mean, we've been saying that every week. And that's part of the frustration part that goes into enjoying it, yeah. is that it was stuff that we got on the text line, we get all the time here on the podcast, that why aren't they doing this? So that's a good question. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why Joe Asai is covering that wheel route. So here, when the last time, when is the last time you saw this box score? Nine tackles, six tackles for loss, three sacks. That was Joseph Osai. Uh, for Texas, I don't know. Uh, trying to think here, like did Derek Johnson? Ever <laughs> yeah, Johnson? Derek Johnson, a rock yeah, right. maybe Brackens. Right, Brackens I mean, would be a guy. But that's I haven't seen that box score in a long, long time. He was totally dominant. And here's the crazy thing, Kevin: for the second year in a row, we have Osai break out in quotes, during a bowl game. Yeah, you're right. Playing the edge. Yeah. Right? Against Georgia, they strictly played him as an edge defender, essentially a de facto defensive end. He wasn't – save me the comments. He's not yeah, a defensive know, end. Right, yeah. But he was de facto defensive end. His job was to spill, play with leverage. He was taking on 310-pound Georgia pulling guards and stopping them dead in their tracks, throwing them back into the running back. And we're all like, awesome. We've got our edge guy. Joe Asai showed what he's capable of. We frittered it away the entire year. He's playing inside linebacker for multiple games, yep. right? We have him dropping into coverage on the slot 20 yards deep, playing deep zones. He's a baller. By the way, he still gets two interceptions, brings back one for a touchdown, right? Yeah. But just because someone can do something doesn't mean they're required to do that. Yeah. Right? Find what they're like best at. It's like me with the board at. here. I mean, I'm <laughs> great like, at this. It's like you at the board. I've only turned off one radio station. You've only turned off one radio station. I've only We've only lost two podcasts. We've only lost two podcasts. <laughs> I'm obviously really good at it. Yeah, we'll, we'll focus probably, on your talking. Better at this. We're going to focus on your chatting. But And that's like with Joseph Asai. Look, can he drop into coverage? Hell yeah. 
can he do a good job out there? Yeah, so can Lawrence Taylor. Let's let's bring him after right. the quarterback. Exactly. Let's play him on the run. By the way, he was amazing against the run in that game. He, he wasn't was awesome. Just, he wasn't just coming off like a bat out of hell off the edge, right? There were a couple. If you had, you remember the Tama Mansky baseball video? Sure. Was laughed at Fred McGriff. No, here's how you feel the ground ball with a massive hat. There were some. Why jo- was his baseball cap so big? I don't know. It was the Juan Augusto. I, I don't know, and it was really up high <laughs> and it was tilted down. You ever seen like the China, uh, the North Korean military? You know they have these massive hats. Massive hats. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's what he looked like. Oh, but he could have put on a scraping video. Yeah. Seminar. Absolutely. I mean, there were some run stops where he's scraping and. And then some some really good tackling, something we haven't seen all year. No, phenomenal tackling. And I don't and mean him individually as a team. No, as a team. I mean, yeah. I've, I've counted maybe two or three missed tackles the entire game, and that's kind of Utah's thing, right? That yeah. Zach Moss is a tackle breaker, and uh, you know their team in general hits those, those receivers in space when you single up on them and they break tackles. Texas did an amazing job. I mean – the long Utah's longest completion for the game was 19 yards. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that you know, and I know Texas fans. If you've only seen Utah play Oregon and Texas, you're like, well, yeah, they have a miserable passing game. I'm, I'm just telling you, they play action some they stuff open. They had a big over 10 yards per attempt passing game where right. they were throwing downfield all season. Like, there's a reason they won 11 games, even in a crappy conference. Yes. That's exactly right. I mean, and, and they're pretty physical. And part of that, too, is they recruit very much like Washington, and it makes sense for their state. They go heavy Samoan, and and they got four Samoans on the defensive line. And as our buddy Rod Baber said on Friday, he goes, trust me, he goes, there's old man strength and Samoan strength. And <laughs> That's and, and, exactly right. And Casey Studdard's talked about that. Like, there's something a little different when Junior Angalau there's a little Samoan on Samoan crime there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got popped early for a sack on Sam on third down. I thought, are we going to be strong enough to deal with it? I thought with their outside zone approach, stay away from even messing around there. Yep. And the way they protected, felt a lot better about it kind of leaving 2019. Well, and for the first time all season, we saw something on offense we'd be kind of calling for. With a bunch of formations. Yeah, the Sean McVay special, right? Yeah. So when you know a team, the Joe is, Brady special, because that, that worked a little for LSU. Yeah, it seems to have worked for him. But we'll, we're going to touch on that OU game. Jeez. But I mean, if a team plays a lot of man coverage as Utah does, and they want to do that cover one, when you do those bunch formations, you can create some really interesting matchups, both in the running game and in the passing game. And you're not going to get, um, you know, like a lot of ten or twelve yard methodical gains in the passing game. You're going to get open shots downfield, which is what Texas got, and you're going to get space outside Yeah, because you're compressing their defensive formation because they're not going to line up you know, with guys sort of spread out all over the field who can run up and make a stop when you're extending the play. They're compressed, and if you can get good blocks in the perimeter, and by the way, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay did a really nice job blocking in addition to each catching a touchdown. Uh, that's how Texas ran the ball, ran ball for 230-plus yards on allegedly the best rushing defense in the country. Yeah, and you also get you get natural rub routes. They have to communicate levels. Yes. And they've With got – Inexperienced a, players in their right, secondary. Exactly. Great call there. And, and so do they understand tango coverage? Can they communicate that? And it puts defenses in a really – When if you're not bond. starting any Argentinians at safety, how will you understand tango coverage? And that's the whole. De- <laughs> that's the whole deal. Is that they didn't grow up with it, Paul? And Sam 
Because they didn't have any Argentinians, he, he <laughs> Buenos aired it out. Yes, he did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Run with it. Finish it off. It was a good bit. Finish it off. 12 of 18, some big conversions on the ground. I thought the shovel pass is a great example yeah. of Busted. Sam. Oh, I mean, that thing was sniffed out like a drug dog at LaGuardia, and it wasn't packaged well. I yeah, mean, that, that thing was sniffed out right away. No coffee away. grounds inside. No coffee grounds inside. <laughs> but Sam didn't care. He's like, well, all right, I'll find a crease. And he yeah. did. He's and a gamer, man. He is a gamer. And I do have to say props to Tom Herman for the call, the little throwback to Keontae Ingram on the yeah. goal line. That is a money call. He that, called a good game. He did call a very good game. And as you said, I mean, I think astutely, Tom Herman, the play caller, didn't do himself many favors week to week with only one week of prep in Big 12 play because he's also trying to recruit. He's trying to run his staff. He's trying to be head coach. He's trying to... In the defensive room, hey, how do we tackle? Hey, Todd, uh, not trying to look over your shoulder here, but what's uh, what's, what's going on? We're one eleven in this. <laughs> exactly. But with three weeks to prep, he looked good. He he called a good game, man. And uh, look, Utah had some vulnerabilities with those that safety in that corner out who are both first-team All-Pac-12, but... Just the design of some of the plays was great. Does that reinforce any, or not reinforce, maybe uh, hopefully bring back some some positive thoughts you have about Tom Herman and what he can do offensively as long as he's not forced to be that guy week to week to where he and Yursich could work together? And yeah. If he's a head coach, say, you know what, I still bring some things to the table offensively. Yeah, I think Tom's useful as a collaborator. And I think he'll have some thoughts and top-line thoughts for his coordinator, which is what a head coach should have for both yeah. sides of the ball. And then he should let Yursich go off and do his thing and, and call the plays. And I think – so we had conjectured in our last podcast that Yursich was going to be the guy. He was the guy. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Uh, good. Just like Ash. Uh, look, if, if you Boyd go – gave it a B plus. What would you give it? A B? Okay. Hey, man, if you're going from a D to a B, that's great. I mean, that's – that's you're going to measure – Outside of Shanahan, was there an A for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean – there's A hires, but I, they, they proved to – I mean, we weren't getting Joe Brady, right? We figured right. that out That probably quickly. would have been an A. How about Harrell? Uh, I think he's the same. Yeah. I, I think people are really fired up about Harrell and, and completely changing the identity of the offense. I don't think that was necessary. I think Texas needed to do what they want to do better. And I think if they can do that with Yursich, that's great. Are they too similar, though? Is he bringing enough of a fresh approach and new ideas – or are they already too aligned to no, use he his got, word? No, he got five years of exposure to Gundy. And Gundy, you know, makes do with what he's got. You know, when Oklahoma has the right hosses at running back, that's a that's Chuba Hubbard leading the NCAA in rushing, right? Yeah. They probably would have beat A&M if they'd stuck to Chuba Hubbard a little bit more in that game. Or uh, had Spencer or Tyler or had, Wallace. Or, or had a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Wallace is coming back. He is year. coming. That's surprising. Yeah. So ACL, I think he wants to prove. Yeah, he wants to actually. I'm a first round guy. I'm not a fifth round guy. Yeah, he's the one to go in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, But yeah, I I think it's look. Did Texas get super sexy coordinator hires? No. Did they get competent guys who are going to be an improvement about over what we were doing, which is a disaster? Well, look, the Utah game we just watched is evidence of that. The less coaching this team got. (laughs) The better they performed. We took, apparently, the good cooks out of the kitchen and had guys that were washing dishes. Yeah. And the meal was a lot better. And, and apparently, they could earn a Michelin star. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, right. <laughs> when Miguel, the dishwasher. We're open in San Francisco. What? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that 
look, the fact was, Herman said in the post-presser, they had eight practices before the bowl. A couple of those were walkthroughs, effectively. I think some of that was lightening up a little bit, too. Well, they did, and I'm not sure if Herman did that on purpose or if he couldn't. He didn't have a choice to have more practices because he's out trying to hire coordinators. Uh Either way, and it keep worked. kids out of the transfer portal. and keep kids out of the transfer portal and keep NSD one signing class together, all that. So I have a feeling even if Herman thought he wanted to do two a days, which you can, by the way, do before a bowl, if you want to, uh, even if you wanted to do that, he couldn't have done it. So he had no other choice but to lighten up and man, Texas played like a team with better legs. They looked, they were a lot fresher. Every other dude didn't we'll have a Trey shoulder sling on that right away. He goes, you know, the lightening up, I think it paid off because they yeah. they looked like they had a spring in their step. Yeah, well, Joseph Asai didn't have his big shoulder harness on. No, for one thing. Stearns is actually playing center field. Stearns like was Mays. Stearns was moving laterally, like the say hey kid. Uh, hey. Yeah, I see. I, every now and then I, I sprinkle in a baseball you, reference you, you for you. You kind of do. Your history is better than uh, your heart. My my baseball my, my baseball history knowledge is better than my contemporary knowledge. Right. Yeah, I can tell you all about Ted Williams. I don't know anything about Mike Trout. Oh, you're all about Ted. That's, I love Ted. You realize like how good of a fisherman he was? Well, I, he, amazing fisherman, amazing fighter pilot, yep. amazing hitter. Yeah. Not many people are amazing at three very distinct skills like that. And he would be the first to say, I want to hear fisherman again. No, yeah. he was he was a world class. He's in the angling hall of, hall fame. of fame. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever right? that is. Yeah. <laughs> and not Michael Dell getting a degree from UT. No, no, like, no. Like no. he earned it. Yeah. <laughs> No offense, Michael. <laughs> what is Michael Dell, UT dropout? That's your takeaway? No, my point is that you give him an honorary degree. He was here for like six weeks. Just explain that oh, there like, are some industries where it's okay for you like, to do like that. Like uh, Dr. Bill Cosby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think Michael's a good man. Okay, that's so a good point. Let's get that straight. Oh, I just meant achievement. Yeah, achievement-wise, yeah. God, Paul comes in. He's giving Eddie Murphy stuff. Felt like we haven't seen him in 25 years. Ah, Saturday Night Live. It Did you check to, it out? It I was thought good Mr. to see Eddie again, I man. thought Mr. Robinson's sketch was really well done. In fact, I've gone back, and I had before, and already looked at those. I think it may be the best one they did because you'd already set up the character in the neighborhood. And even when they had the setup, when you come in right away, you see the crane. Yeah, yeah. It was never there, and you thought. Gentrification. Oh, you're going gentrification. Perfect. Well, and the beauty of it is that is the true history of New York. Because when Murphy was on there, New York was a freaking disaster. Absolutely I mean, was. It, this was. It, for any trash of you, piling up if you really want, to, really want to get into the problems. Before Giuliani became an, an odd character, he was a great mayor. Great mayor. He cleaned it up. Truly, like, fixed that city. And if you had traveled, and I and as odd I did, character is a nice way to put it now. That's right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but he was to be, a good mayor. Yeah. To be dip- he was a very good mayor. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Uh, if you traveled to New York as I did, and certainly you did, pre Giuliani and post, it was a different city. And my dad, when he was training for Merrill Lynch, was there for six weeks in the seventies. Yeah, and then came back to visit me, and he said. I can't even tell you how different this city is. That's that's not how he said it. Uh, no, he did. He did it with a moment. Kevin. Ka- hey, Kev. <laughs> Kev, they're living like animals in Times Square. Southside looks like a jewel. <laughs> I just went to go see a movie in Times Square because I was told you could see a show there. <laughs> and oh, my gosh, Kevin. You got hookers <laughs> and prostitutes <laughs> and scamps everywhere. Uh, anyway, the point wow. is, height of Eddie Murphy, young Eddie Murphy on Saturday Live, which he saved the show. That was like 19, early 1980s. Yeah. New York was a disaster. And, it was. And 
of course, he comes in and he does this gentrification skit. It was awesome. It was great. I was great to see Eddie Murphy again. It was cool to see that. And like you and I usually do, we bounce off to other stuff. That's right. But uh, but we're we're in that kind of good mood right now. And like I said, Texas finishes 2019 like they started it. What is 2020 going to look like? I mean, I do feel like, and we've talked about it a little bit, the majority of our lifetime, you know, you can go up and down. I mean, it's not like they have good talent in from 85 Really, probably till ninety three, ninety four, mm-hmm. and so recruiting was up and down. If you develop and put guys in the league and show numbers that way, especially now in twenty twenty in Austin with how cool a city this is, and kids want to come here. Oh man, we get the ACL, we get the South by, we get the. This is a an attractive place. Get guys that develop, evaluate well, which is more the Derek Chang thing because we have that whole separate yep. operation. So really, at this point, it's just not you're not even watching film. Develop. That's all I'm looking for. How it, crucial is that to you? I, I literally think that this bowl game is an example of the job of the head coach at the University of Texas is to remove barriers to success. Yeah. You don't right. even have to create anything. Yeah. Just actively it's don't edited, stand it's in the way. editing more than adding. Just don't stand in the way yeah. of your own success. Can, can you do that? John Makovic, when we give you a blank check to hire a defensive coordinator because we really want you to succeed, don't hire Bobby Jack Wright and, and flip everyone the double birds. That was the first time that happened. When he had Aaron Humphrey at middle linebacker on skip picks man-to-man, man man, I thought that was a good move. Yeah, you know, you got he developed Aaron's uh, tool set there. Yeah, because he moved the defensive end. I had a year playing middle linebacker. That's right. I'm pretty good at this. So the point is, if I th- I honestly think if you can just – actively not stand in the way of the program and just do things competently. I'm not even saying, like, nail it. I'm just saying, like, do your job. Show up and be competent. I think it's amazing the inertia, the positive inertia this program can create. I mean, Mac Brown kind of took his eye off the ball of the job in the mid-2000s. Unfair. And they ended up, that's unfair. I was going to... Different events all the Sal time. Sal and I were taking <laughs> care of kids you didn't know about, Paul. Point is, we Texas, saw the article. Texas won a hell of a lot of games strictly on momentum that he they created did. with his hard work right. at the beginning of that. And shit decade. on the wall. Absolutely. I mean, if you were, you know, to where the momentum and, like you said, inertia had built to where guys were just coming here. It was a machine. Total machine. Texas can do that. Now, are you going to stand in the way of the machine? Do you have to keep... If, do you have to keep putting spikes in the railroad tracks? Or can you just stand back and let the train go? You're going to be like Lucy with the chocolate machine, the chocolate conveyor. Oh, where she's, she's <laughs> yeah, eating. Right. And, like, yeah, Yo, this is, you know, just do your job. Exactly. Just sound like Belichick. We right? lost all of our sub-generation X listeners with oh, no, a we, Lucille Ball reference. I think I, whatever I hit before probably didn't help either. The, the baby boomer <laughs> listeners are like, oh, these guys are sharp. Yeah, and you Lucille know what? Ball. I'll say what, though. Get your generations right. Don't call everyone a boomer. Actually, you're showing that you're a boomer because the boomer demonstrates a mentality. That's I understand why they that. It. So they say Generation X to us, okay, boomer. I get that. And we go, actually, I'm gen-, and they go that they're mocking the idea that you're just out of touch. I had a producer, and she was about three years younger than me at LHN, and I said, "You are everything that's wrong about being a millennial." <laughs> I'm not a millennial. I'm not talking time. Periods. Mentality. I'm talking mentality and attitudes. So I get that. I get that. All right. We're not boomers. No, that's, that's either fine. way. No. Either we're we're down for the cause and we're woke as hell. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Okay. Really woke. 
Oh, God. Well, what else about the game? I mean, defensively, Jawan Mitchell's a guy who we talked about. We're not talking about Jawan Mitchell until we talk about Court Jacques. Oh, how great was that? So I saw that name. I'll, I'll go through maybe once every three or four weeks, go through the roster. Just... Did you think it was Michael Padgett? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Tyson Contreras had grown and gotten more athletic. Yeah. Uh, no, there was a Michael Padgett. Of course. Quality to them. Padgett, 89, first Texas OU game for me. You know, the 28-24 game that Texas kind of lucked into. They Texas punts it, and the OU receiver muffs off his shoulder pads and is up in the air. And this is when before the rule had changed. Padgett catches it in the air and runs back for a touchdown. Yep. The ensuing extra point goes over – like Jimmy Hakes or whoever the uh, the holder was, and Wayne Clements with one shoe and one barefoot picks it up and throws it up in the air, and that may have been to actually Jimmy Hakes who caught it for two point conversion. Oh wow! Yeah, good memory. So yeah, no, I know my. That. So my, so yes, I can see the Michael Padgett you're talking about. How cool was that though? So what do you take out of that? Is that one of those you know we're gonna reward guys that are actually doing it the right way and fundamentally will be sound? It's that, and actually the, the opponent allowed it because what Texas did is they played single man outside for the most part. They told Caden Stearns stand in the middle of the field and watch the quarterback and break on the ball, and then they assigned B.J. Foster to their tight end. Then they assigned the remaining DB. So you're okay off- if you get man-to-man and he runs a real wheel, we should be okay. All our inside linebackers were asked to do was run up and stuff the run, period. And Utah allowed that to happen because they didn't make the adjustments. They could have done some more jet sweep, fly sweep stuff. They could have spread the field and tried to isolate them. But none of that played to their strengths and what they do as a program, right? So – what we wanted was the most physical inside linebacking that we could get running downhill attacking Zach Moss. And if you'll ask Texas people in the program, they'll tell you Jack Hess is a really strong, tough, physical guy. And Oh, in the box, I believe it. Exactly. And so that's what we did. What I'm worried about with our linebackers is that if Orlando still would have been here, he would have been flagging a slot guy on a slot. Osai would have been out at corner. How did you not cover that with space? Exactly. What are you talking about? So, yeah, Jaquez got the start. He had five tackles. Juwan Mitchell, you were bringing up, had yeah. five tackles. And, uh, he was Adier someone we saw all year. Tackles. I felt like he was a guy that if you had a really good defensive coordinator who adjusted well to his personnel, could have used a guy like that. Yeah, I, I just think they're all limited guys in terms of a more they have they have weaknesses no wide doubt. open spread offense but when you diagnose their abilities to the right opponent and give them the right assignment they're effective and guess what that's coaching 101 yeah you find what guys are good at and you just have them do that is that probably the biggest thing with Yursich? and i want to get more of your thoughts on ash but because people go well what about the personnel right now well i'm more i don't want to get too long term here in this short term college football world but I'm more about a guy who I could give him three different sets, skill sets, and he could go, okay, well, this is what I'd do. Yeah. So you'd run three, not drastically different offenses, maybe same philosophy, but three different looks. Well, yeah, that's being a coach. Yeah. Right? And, and that's what I'm hoping your sitch is. Do you, do, you, do you see that from the five or six years at Oklahoma State? And He's a lot like Alex Grinch. I looked more at what Grinch did at Washington State and not what he did as a co-DC not calling stuff one year at Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, look, you could honestly, I think Yursich was maybe third on the totem pole at Ohio State. Oh, I'd say day one. Day one. And then Kevin Wilson, Wilson two. two, right? Yeah. So people were saying, and by the way, if you ever 
save yourself this, actually, Kevin, but if you ever wade into the Ohio State world of oh, God. message boards, talk about an open I'd sewer. rather go to Kazakhstan and talk about social issues. Oh, my God. It, it, there, there's disproportionate amount of meatheads in that state Holy and that cow. follow that school, and that's just a reality. They are the weirdest, most paranoid fan base I've ever encountered, and – they were all like, Yursich won't go. This is a joke. Why would he go to Texas? And then once he did, it was then once he did, shit like, on him, right? They, no, yeah. they were like, Day forced him out. Never wanted him <laughs> here. He's a negative guy. And it's like, you're writing exactly contradictory things within two days of each other. Paul, to, to quote my old buddy, uh, rest in peace, Greg Giraldo. Um, look, they live in Cleveland and Ohio. So just, you know, it's a frozen shithole. Give him a break. Yeah, give him a break. The river caught on fire. Yeah, <laughs> A river caught on fire. Yeah. It's God's way of saying that. Eh. Just just a shy of Chernobyl, basically. <laughs> so the point is, Yursich, I, I do think if you look at Oklahoma State, that's the most instructive time period to examine, as you said. And I think what sold Gundy on him, right? He was, we have this notion that the very best coaches all have the very best jobs at any time and point. The truth is, coaching Which is not. so stupid when you put it that way right not like you wouldn't do that with anything in life no but the truth is coaching is not a pure meritocracy where the very best coach in college football is the head coach it's not linear no and so you have these guys who just need a break they just need an opportunity and Yursich was obviously killing it in his small little world at Shippenburg State and Gundy recognized it interviewed him realized he knew his ball and hired him now did Gundy had to call him and he was out recruiting yeah and apparently like some old biddy picked up like hey (laughs) Does he have a cell phone? No. I mean, like, it's amazing. Give Gundy credit, man. This guy will go, he will go mine some stuff out there. Yeah, he's communicating with him Morse code and sending (laughs) telegrams. Check this box if you want to be our OC. Some Amish woman comes up with a a telegram. Exactly. But yeah, he he blew up his comp from 50 grand a year to 400 grand a year. Yeah. That's not a bad new year. Which Yursich apparently heard that and didn't get it. He goes, What about four? And he was thinking maybe like forty thousand. Yeah, and he's like, no, I'm talking about four hundred thousand. <laughs> he's like, I'll take that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there right now. I would take forty. I'm done. <laughs> right, I'm done. I, I was about to haggle with the forty. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I I think Texas fans can feel pretty good about that now. Filling in based on what we've said, not being an active impediment to your program. Let's go get some teachers at the position level. I'm already seeing this movement. Uh, because because Nivar did, did a very nice job as the interim DC, well, we got to keep him under any cost. Let's let's just make him the linebacker coach. I've added that movement only because he's the one Texas coach that follows me on Twitter. Okay, so all right, Understood. I understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> all right, but I agree with your sentiment. So continue. <laughs> so he's not a career linebacker coach, and that kind of thinking, like that is a, that is such that's a Texas why, fan. That's, that's why we're here. Yes, it's why we're here. People, Texas fans act like the coaching jobs at Texas are a, a Great Depression era jobs program. <laughs> like, let's go hire a really good linebacker coach. We'll give you salt for your meat, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. it's not a soup it's... kitchen, y'all. We can, <laughs> we can go hire a good linebacker coach who's dedicated to the position. What if I told you? Even what if though... I told you there's a world where Craig <laughs> Nivar. What if I told you there's a world where not? Why don't we make him our tight ends coach? <laughs> All right. Well, can we at least have him part of the podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, I mean, he shouldn't be our tight ends coach. Obviously, that should be Tim Brewster because we, we should focus on what's really important. And oh, absolutely. And that's developing and not recruiting. <laughs> no, but what if I told you that strictly developing and this guy is as good, Art Kehoe would be a name that would be right there with him, bed and ball at Oklahoma. Harry Heastan was just fired. I've told you, only left Notre Dame. I didn't know that. To go get the pension that he needed. Which Where I, was he fired? I think he got it. I think he had two or three years, and he only needed that. The Bears, because of their whole situation. Whoa. And you go look at the Pro Bowl team. Ronnie Stanley was coming out of Vegas, I believe. Uh, Bishop, uh, what is that? Uh, Bishop Gorman? Yeah, Gorman. He was a big recruit. Nelson was actually a pretty big recruit. McGlinchey. Uh, McGlinchey was not and was a project and is a great example of how good Harry Heastand is. And part of the whole Chip Long thing was that the offensive line play and development had not gotten better at Notre Dame, and Heastand had left a lot, and Chip Long's a fireball and can't sit in a room with someone and, and be an adult and work on things. Without so you're saying we should try to go upgrade the offensive line and hire him? I'm saying that outside of bed and ball, the best offensive line coach in college football is available. Here's so why that's a good re- idea. If, if you really want to go do something. Here's why that's a good idea. You don't have to change any of the monogram towels. <laughs> Herb Hand. Harry Heastan. You don't have to change it. And if their middle names are an H. That's a good point. You can, you can make a little cross tie in with WWE with Triple H. Now you're really talking. That's why we get the big bucks on this podcast. Okay, so McGlinchey, Zach Martin, Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson. Kevin, they're not going to be starting for us if we hire their old coach. I'm giving you (laughs) evidence on why he's that good. I'm not telling you what our offensive line would be, but this guy— Can you imagine Ronnie Stanley lining (laughs) up against TCU? So do we have Nelson at left or right guard? (laughs) Well, Martin's more of a right guard, so— I wonder if Ross Blacklock's going to give him problems. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? I do. Where a guy like is that good and that is that available right now? And my guess is Brian Kelly, if he has the balls and he's we'll shown back. up, will go say, hey. Because that was actually a good parting where, like I said, he needed the pension. He loved the job. And I think he got that. And now that he's done. The pension thing actually makes sense, but that's such a Midwestern. like. Oh, totally. I got to vest my pension, Coach. Hey, look, all right. <laughs> I got two more years on the line. I got two or three, and I'll come back, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the sausage making for you, okay? So would, would, you, would you be that active, or do you keep Drayton, Giles, hand, and roll with? I would with... attempt to upgrade every single position, Coach. And if so you could, you'd call Harry? It, I'd call him. The monogram thing is brilliant. I mean, you got an open. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I, look, I would try to actively upgrade every single position coach. And my first goal in hiring, outside of the dedicated slots on your staff, which are just about recruiting, right? Yeah. Your running back coach, your tight end coach. By the way, Harry's the one thing that's on him that's not great. Not the most like most good offensive line coaches that's that really develop, yeah, yeah. is not the most Twitter-friendly, no, I'm no, going to no. go kiss a 17-year-old that's, ass. But that's in keeping with offensive <laughs> right, line exactly. mentality. That's fine. Um, my number one requirement for every single position coach would be teaching. Teaching ability first and foremost. Are you a developer? The answer is yes, then we can talk. If the answer is, oh, he's kind of, he's on Twitter, and he's got, oh, and he's sexy, and he does this, and they, uh, this recruiting, and it's like, Drew Merringer. Yeah, well, we don't need to get specific. We're in this new year. We're going to be gracious, Kevin. Uh, we're not going to be embittered like the old Kevin and Paul. F him. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, he, I, oh, he, he stopped following you on Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> and stop DMing. 
no, I mean, it, from everything I heard on that, like, it's one thing, like, I would never say that. Like, I hope Tim Beck goes and kills it at NC State. Yes. And he was a very good— Tim Beck's a very nice guy. Very nice guy, a very good—he represented the school well, is a very good recruiter, which helped out. I think he's an underrated quarterback developer or at least coach on certain fundamentals. Yep. He's an awful play caller. I really hope he goes and kills it with all of them. Maringer to pull that type of stuff, it's it's everything that I saw when I was behind the scenes yep. in this backfighting, in this backstabbing that is is really killed this athletic department for 20, 30 years. Now, fill the listeners in on what you're talking about because a lot of them don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so I worked at LHN. No, no, no specifically about Maringer. Oh, 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 Maringer. Uh, the fact that it even goes back to the Garrett Wilson recruitment and maybe why Garrett and his dad didn't trust Maringer from the stuff he was talking about with current receivers. Yes. And it only makes me respect the Wilsons more that they've got the, you know, fortitude or the ethics to be like, oh, wait a minute, you're going to do that to us. And that's not how we want to be represented or the type of coach we want to have. But the fact that that Tom Herman probably should have fired him in October or November whenever he is talking I don't want to get into it too much, but shit behind people's back that he shouldn't be. Is that he fair? was Herman's project? Yes, Herman was his. That rabbi. was the other thing too. And his his he was in, he was he had ingratitude, and actually was sort of a poisonous pill in that staff. Was he was a cancer? Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard too. Yeah, and I wasn't there, and I'm I, I, we've talked about a bit of a nihilist, so I will only take things as far as I can take them if I was not in the room. Well, like, this podcast walk- makes no vows of responsibility or accuracy. Nah, that's completely true. Did we write that in there on the code? We, I, I'm going to do that for okay. legal reasons. This, sure, this yeah. isn't on, right? We're going to cut this part. <laughs> Kevin, I'm kidding. Oh, shit. It hadn't <laughs> been on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's great. I just got Paul. The new year Paul. was going to start. I just got Paul. The new year was going to like, start in a bad well, way. Well, I gave good stuff here. <laughs> What you th- I can't recreate this brilliance. We've been talking SNL. Yeah, right. Uh, what else do we want to cover about this game? Oh, special teams. Yeah. Talk about destroying in three phases. Utah's punter. Talk about where the, where, where's that been? Well, Utah's punter literally outkicks his coverage, right? He, he, he kicked yeah. a line drive to the wrong guy. And Deshaun Jameson showed some easy speed. All right, right we're going to get back line. to baseball, see if you really know it. Oh, God. And all of a sudden, Steve Sachs and Mackie Sasser are throwing the ball straight. We've had the yips catching the football. That's true. We And it's a baseball term, and I'm using it for a reason. It is in your head, and as it's coming, you're thinking and not and not just being the baller. Maybe they don't drug were. test at bowls. Maybe our guys chilled out. That could have been it. Maybe. A little bit of uh, some gummies. They gave away, <laughs> with all the new stuff, they gave away gummies and chocolates. <laughs> it's part of your bowl bag that they give you? Yeah, I, t- I got home last night and took a bite of a cookie that someone had given me. And I had milk out, too, which is even cuter. Aww. And then realized, oh, this is not a milk cookie. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And those things don't behave the same way as the other variety. Rewatching the game, woke up at about 6 or 7 a.m. and uh, was on the couch. TV on, lights on. Gone. Good stuff. So I think it could have been that because there was a relaxing element. I, I was too relaxed last night. There's a relaxing element that almost you felt like this team had gotten rid of everything, the yips or whatever was in their head, and the fact that even the way he's catching those punts, like he wasn't even attempting to catch them that way. It felt like they'd kind of let some shit go. Yeah. I don't know. Is that 
Yeah, when he and he looked, that he, sounded stoner ass. <laughs> he I mean, let it go. Hey, He's, man, they just kind of like lived. All right, he was bro? holding on to too much. Yeah, man, it was heavy. Yeah. Right? Well, he returned four putts. Yeah. Right. I mean, he he had the go. He had the green light. He had 102 yards in putt return yardage. Well, actually, we should probably start there because we weren't fair catching those. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So that I mean that those hidden yards matter, and, that's and that alone deal. probably comes from you've talked about the timeout before special teams and kind of letting them know, you know, either you they can tell these kids aren't idiots whether you have confidence in them or fair catch this no matter what. Yes. What do you mean fair catch it? You're telling me at the 25? You're telling me if a de- first defender's got, 18 I, yards away? I can't catch it? Yeah. Well, that's a lot of confidence in me. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, look, Texas dominated on special teams, which was, was not surprising. Actually, Utah didn't have great special teams, yep. particularly their punter was poor, which they showed. But Not uh, for a team that was a game away from – in the playoffs. No. And, and you know, what was interesting is that really, we look now and it was 38-10, so we assume it would always ended up that way. Probably would have. But that really is what broke the dam a little bit and mm-hmm. showed a crack in the dam in that Texas was up 3-0, kind of dominating, but couldn't really separate. Deshaun Jamison gets that punt, brings it back 71 yards. That sets up the little Colin Johnson touchdown. Suddenly it's 10-0 going into the half. Texas, you know, has that great First possession where they stop Utah cold on their side of the field. Suddenly, Texas is off to the races. It's 24-10, then it's 38-10 by the end of the fourth. Yeah. So, Utah only had 10 possessions on the game. So, you know, that's – and that's football I can get behind. I oh, like the clock yeah. running. Right. I don't need these four-and-a-half-hour Big 12 games. Well, it's like I, I told some Texas fans, I go, you know the great thing about Navy preceding our game? Yeah. It ain't going to run long. And it almost went to OT. Kansas State, by the way. By the way. Yeah, right, exactly. But it almost went to OT, and someone goes, yeah, I know, but it almost went to OT. They could have gone to double OT. Wouldn't when, have mattered. And the broadcast would have been on time. Exactly. Like We had Fowler sitting there talking for us for, for 40 minutes before the game. You know, it's one of the beautiful things. And I don't know. It, this game kind of went the way that, that I think all Texas fans wanted it to go. And there's only so much optimism maybe you can take because he had to replace two coordinators. We'd get all that. But – I think the fact that they simplified, I know this sounds uh, counterintuitive, simplified yet added a couple things, and the guys flew around and played football like that. Yep. You know, Trey and I went back and forth last night, and he's very message board heavy, which I'm not. And so I, I and, and he also talks to a lot of people like we do. Um, and he said, you know, there were some real concerns about the buy-in of this program from the players two months ago. And I think we had heard that, and there was. Yep. I had no question about that here. You put these guys in good position. They all want to get to the next level. I think they're all happy, to, for the most part, to be at UT. They just want good coaching to go out there and play football, and that's what they did. Yeah. They, I don't think – you know, there's, there's no bad seeds. It's, no. These guys are – they just want to be coached well, and they'll repay that coaching by playing hard. Yeah. It's not hard. And they did that. You know what else isn't hard? What? And we're excited about going to the new year? Gabe. Gabe, Mortgage Solutions. This Ga- guy has Gabe's been, been killing it. Gabe's been killing it. And I got to thank the listeners. You guys have been killing it. You've been talking to Dick Gabe. And uh, you've, frankly, we feel honored that you believe in us. And if we recommend right. someone to you, you follow up. And you guys have been calling Gabe at 832 557 1095. And if you're in the market for a new house, which a lot of you are going to be, it's really that time. It's starting now. If you're going to be buying in the spring, now's the time to start looking and getting pre, pre-qualified on your loan. If you're looking to refi or if you're going to do a new mortgage, Gabe's the guy to call, Mortgage Solutions. If you mention the podcast, you get $500 off of closing, which is phenomenal. And you're going to get a really sharp guy who's going to serve your interests. Gabe and I were just talking. He closed two more deals with Longhorn listeners from this podcast 
They've been thrilled. Every bit of feedback we've gotten from listeners has been really top-notch. Even the listeners who have said, you know what, I'm in Alabama. Gabe couldn't help me directly, but he referred me to someone who's really good, and that guy set me up. So, right, or even people in the state where Gabe can help them out, and they called, and this is – it's not going to cost you anything. If yeah. anything, it'll give you a competitive bid to save more money. And some peace Whether of mind. Whether you use Gabe or not, and yeah. peace of mind. If yeah. Gabe can't beat it, then you know you got a great deal. Right. Go with it. Yep. And go with God. We, we bless you. I'm making a cross in the air. Y- you are. For Kevin's benefit. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, look – Give my, Gabe a that call. That was my Tony Rice right <laughs> We really appreciate your support. Gabe appreciates your support. Give him a call. Let him beat your best offer. 832-557-1095. We've got three of the best college football teams I've seen in my lifetime. I'm not a prisoner of the moment type guy, but I do think that uh, that LSU, what they, what, they, what they did against Oklahoma was pretty damn impressive. And I think that our next podcast, we're going to be releasing kind of a little bit of a college football playoff preview and some nfl and some nfl stuff too so we appreciate it go see gabe everyone gets a trophy kevin dunn paul wadlington make sure you rate review and please uh send us a what a a good message or subscribe subscribe that's what it is (laughs) i knew there was damn it i knew there was one more all right i'm gonna go finish off the rest of that cookie y'all be good take care